Hello everybody, this is Cliff Ravenscraft, and we're coming to you with just a little intro to the intro to the intro. And the reason for this is, is because you are about to hear something very shocking. And if we don't preface it and tell you that we shared a little bit of our reaction to some negative feedback in a way that we just had to get some things off of our chest, basically. Uh, Stephanie and I shared last week how we had an honest opinion of how we felt that last week's episode was, Stephanie? Not enjoyable. Or, in other words, ho-hum. I'm not going to say it again. Okay. So we got a lot of negative feedback, and... You know, it was kind of funny, then it kind of, you know, kind of rubbed us the wrong way, and then the thing is, is we came down and recorded our initial reactions, which you're about to hear, and uh, the theme that kind of comes to mind when I think about how we reacted to the negative feedback was... But anyway, we just want to let you know, what you are about to hear is in complete good humor and good fun. In fact, uh, would you agree with that, Steph? Yeah. Now, (laughs) two days later. Okay, very good. (laughs) Yes. So so here's what we want you to understand, is that we podcasters are professionals, and we know exactly what we're doing. At all times, we we completely Mm -hmm. ignore the fact that we have any type of life outside of the podcasting world and we want to bring you an unbiased opinion facetious okay i am in fact this is not the first time that somebody who runs a weekly lost podcast has has received some criticisms in fact many of you who listen to us today remember the good old transmission lost podcast i I want to play a little clip for you from one of those old shows this is show number 12 of the transmission for Friday, December 9th, 2005. This week we're going to go straight to you all, everybody, our feedback segment. And on that point, uh, I think the first thing that we're going to want to do is kind of take another look at last week's episode, What Kate Did. Of course, we, we did want to talk about it anyway, but more than a few of you pointed out that we were kind of down on that episode, and I guess we did sound a little less than enthusiastic than we really were. <gasps> Linda emailed us and just said, lighten up, guys, and uh, Juvie and Guam uh, posted on our site you know all the great things that there were in the episode and, and you know what it, it really was it was a good episode yeah it was a good episode and you know I am a huge fan of the show um, there are things about the show that I absolutely adore and, and things that I could really you know kind of go without but you know overall I'm still loving the show and, and I still really like to talk about trust it trust us folks we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't like Lost uh, we're, we're just saying we're not going to love everything all the time. We're going to be honest. You know, even Cubs fans, they love the Cubs, but they have a few things to complain about sometimes. We, I meant, I think we specifically mentioned last week, it was kind of a, a rough week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it was. We were having a 
listening are really hard. So, and we're not, obviously, we're not media professionals, so we couldn't leave it out of the studio and it kind of seeped through. Uh, we just really weren't talking well. We couldn't get our thoughts together. I kept saying Indiku instead of Enkidu, and a lot of you emailed me and said, oh, my ears are bleeding. So, um, we're, we're, we do wanted to, we did want to give what Kate did uh, a quick little second shake. So, uh, Jen, really, what did you think about what Kate did? Okay, well, see, there you have it. You can see that lost podcasters tend to get a lot of negative feedback. If they ever share anything that that is in any way a criticism of the show. So I just tell you that, that we are not professionals. And, you know, Ryan and Jen were very kind and very generous. And they were willing to give Kate what Kate did a second view and even a second review. And they titled that episode that I just played a portion of was called What Kate Did revisited. And you know, I kind of thought about whether or not we should probably give Anna Lucia a second look and perhaps maybe go back and see if maybe we were just being too harsh and too critical. And so I gathered, Stephanie and I had um, Mr. Echo and John Locke over to the house for dinner and we talked amongst the four of us and, and then Echo said, Would you like to watch that again? No, I've seen enough. And we agree with John Locke. And so here's our feelings about the negative feedback. I'm in the middle of listening to the podcast, and I'm so upset that you guys are so negative about the episode. It's not ho-hum. That was a great episode. Uh, I think the negativity is a downer. I think the negativity is a downer. So negative. But it's not ho hum. So negative. I'm so upset. Dude, it's just a TV show. Welcome to the weekly Lost edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, Stephanie and Cliff. Hello and welcome to episode number 22 of Generally Speaking. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we're here after another ho-hum episode. Oh, whatever. That's what I call an episode. That <laughs> that episode was worthy to be called Lost. Absolutely. In fact, uh, we'll we'll talk about feedback a little bit later and we'll we'll try to get over our very hurt feelings. But uh Cliff's over them. Okay, Cl- yeah. Cliff's over them. I'm a little bitter. She's like, are you, are you like Bitter Jay? Uh, we are uh, coming to you immediately after viewing the episode question mark. We got a lot of beef for the way that we critiqued last week's episode. And to be honest with you, we have been talking all week about how just ho-hum last week's episode really was. It was absolutely a ho-hum ap- episode. And and we I, we were sitting here watching Lost. <laughs> we were watching Lost tonight. And the first five minutes, from the time Lost came on, for the first five minutes... To the first the, commercial break. To the very first commercial break. That portion alone was better than the entire episode last week. I mean, it was awesome. And that's what drew me into this uh, series. And that is what we do with an episode. 
And, and so, that's why it's the number one drama in television. Absolutely. In fact, uh, it was one of my favorite characters. Actually, it was two of my favorite characters. Right. Only one of them technically had a flashback, but John and Locke together. I love it. It was awesome. Uh, the dream sequence, the very first five minutes that I just told you about, uh, we actually, at commercial break, we're like, dude, you could actually come back from commercial break and say, next week on Lost, and we would have been happy. because I, Every I, segment could have had the potential to stand alone. Absolutely. They, yeah. In fact, I know that first segment where Echo has his dreams, there's that like real quick flashing of all the different yeah. scenes. And so, and, and what that is, that's an Easter egg waiting to be found. That's the whole TiVo it and watch it frame by frame. You'll pick things up. That's <laughs> one of those moments. And that's what I love about Lost. And when they don't put them in there and instead devote an entire episode to okay, a we're so, lousy wait, freeze, character. Freeze, no, wait, freeze, no. Freeze. What? Sorry, that's our code word for our kids to stop. <laughs> Quit talking about the kids and getting off subject. You know, we should only talk about Lost. I mean, it's not Lost. We should just shut up. I mean, <laughs> we are having so much fun with this you feedback. Not to edit. You said you need to be careful so I don't have to edit all that out. And I'm trying to be really nice over here, but I'm bitter. We are bitter. So, just a listen, little bit. This is what I want to tell you. Go is ahead. that we're supposed to be down here recording our first 10 minutes of the show. Initial at- response. We're at three minutes, 48 seconds. Go ahead. And all you keep doing is talking about last week's episode. But that's okay. I just want to say that last week was... I'm just pointing it out. I'm pointing it out so they don't take anything out on me this time because I might quit. I might get a little bit more bitter. (laughs) I doubt that. So totally... uh, (laughs) I'm just saying that I'm so far over the line that I can't go any further or come back from it. I don't know what you're saying. I'm just thinking... I said little... I might get a little bit more bitter and use it. I doubt that. No, no, I'm saying I doubt that you'll leave and won't come back. Oh. You love this podcast as much as I do. I do, but and, they and were mean to me. They, there were some very mean and rude people. They were mean, and I, but we'll talk about that in the listener comments. We will. I'm going to do my own segment, Stephanie's Embitterment. <laughs> the Wrath of Stephanie <laughs> coming soon to a podcast <laughs> segment near you. Anyway, Echo... <laughs> I love the fact that this man is is driven by his dreams and the visions and and I again this whole thing I wonder if these dreams aren't implanted into their minds to make them think or to have them believe or have faith in this island. I wouldn't put it past them, but I think this further confirms that Charlie was not on drugs when he is having those dreams. Right. Okay, and and I think that evidence of the show. I love that that the the dream. Um, they were not just echoes alone. That John was having. They only showed the one. Yeah, of that John's, was awesome. But that, yeah, that was that was absolutely awesome. That that we have they're Locke connected in dreaming. some way. And we've been saying that since the beginning. Absolutely. That, that Echo and Locke are connected. and I wonder if they're not all interconnected and experiencing the same dream together. <laughs> hmm. One thing in this episode that kind of supports uh, what we had talked about before, when Michael was having that little computer conversation. They were being watched. They were being watched. Remember I told you, some people were saying that, okay, um, 
you know, Michael didn't really see anything on the computer. It was all in his head. It's like, no, I believe that Michael was typing. They saw Jack coming around the computer, and mm-hmm. because they were doing that, they shut off the screen and put it back to the regular thing. Right. And so that supports the fact that I was right, that they are being video monitored at all times. And so that was kind of cool. However, I am going to go ahead, and I think I'm going to just throw in the towel. I am going to admit that Rem is right. That Libby is not another. I have I have come to the, my senses. I, I helped guess. him come to those senses. Yes, you did. I have come to he my senses. He takes all the credit for everything said on this show. Everything. And most of it's mine from yeah. upstairs. <laughs> he just comes down here and shares it before I have the chance. Well, you know, okay, I give you the credit. Because I'm for, over here yawning, and he just takes the opportunity If you to would talk. just stop yawning and talking and quit interrupting me. I mean, you act like the name of the show is generally speaking. About Stephanie. <laughs> Moving right along. Anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, Libby at the airport obviously shows that she was indeed on the plane. So my whole deal about the fact that she was making it up. Well, you know, you still said she was another. You said just because she was on the plane doesn't mean she's not another. But but my first supporting evidence of her being another was the fact that she wasn't on the plane and that she was manufacturing those and that she was coached by Cindy, who I still believe is another. Right. Okay, so uh, we have that. And then, so Libby was at the airport. She gets on the plane. And what what was the other thing that just confirmed to me that she was not another? She outed Michael. You that's how you gave it away. That's exactly it. As soon as she outed Michael and and tried to do yeah, Libby is not another. And and Rem, you can go ahead and and start up your music now. I will finally concede and, and give you a J and Jack tally do, on do, that. Do I need to close my eyes while you do the happy dance? <laughs> no. Anyway, um, any quick other last few things you want to mention about this week's episode after your initial reaction? It was not ho-hum. It was not. (laughs) By golly, it was a great episode. We loved every single second. We did. It 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 was true to its... Everything. It was true to the original thing that drew everyone into Lost. It had the relationship crap. It had the it had the Easter eggs. It had the island mystery. It had John Locke and uh, his his, no John Locke and his. Am I crazy? Am I a worthless human being? Or am I a man of faith called to some destiny? And then you had. (laughs) And then you had um, Echo and the whole salvation and only those with a repentant heart oh, can be forgiven. Oh, don't talk too much about Christianity. <laughs> I know. We get the hate mail from so many people. Uh, but anyway, anyway. It, this episode had it all. It had it the drugs. It did. It had the everything. I, it was an excellent episode and we loved it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's our initial reaction. And we're sticking to it. Uh, I stick by my initial reaction of last week, too. I, uh, <laughs> it's fine. We, I, I agree with you. Last week, I will still say... I will I will say... I, I, I will explain why I said that. I don't know if I did that last week or not. What? But I just love the hate mail so much that I'll say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Here she comes. Go ahead. Last week's episode seemed like... What did I just say to you? I that, won't say exactly what I said upstairs. Yeah, leave out the horrible actress part. Because that was... <laughs> I, 
<laughs> that is kind of rude, and we probably shouldn't say something like that. I was but you could throw about in the, the other pulling stuff. it out of their butt. It was-, <laughs> it was an episode that they pulled out their hind end because <laughs> it was crap. <laughs> it was crap. It, it was last week's episode was last horrible. week's episode to me was we have to we give- have to give a backstory to this character so we can kill her. Yes, I mean that's all it was. It was nothing. Nothing felt like it was new and exciting like this week was. And if you disagree with us, that's fine. Disagree with me. I don't care. I can handle that, but don't hate me. Yeah, and don't hate our podcast and say all kinds of horrible, mean, nasty things on iTunes about us. By golly, because I know how to bite back, and I probably will start if it keeps coming. <laughs> wow. We just alienated two-thirds of our audience. But who cares? They so, started it. They, they had it coming. They had they it coming. <laughs> they they only, only got themselves to blame. Okay. We won't sing anymore. Yes, we will. Don't You can say that you're not going to sing, but I'm still going to sing. I probably will, too. Okay, so anyway, um, yeah, we stand behind it, and you know, if, if you, the thing is, I just want to say, if you disagree with our feelings about a particular episode, that's fine because that's all the show's ever going to be—is our feelings about an episode. Yeah, and if we talk about and ourselves, the reason we didn't know about some crazy lost episode on Good Morning in America is because we recorded on Wednesday night after we watched the show, not on Thursday morning after Good Morning America. You can edit that part. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Unleash the dragon! Oh. My goodness! I what if I leave this unedited? We'll get I, more hate mail. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if we'll have a single listener left. Uh, we'll we'll care. wake up Monday morning. We'll go to the lost forum and we'll see four or er, five hundred and forty nine uh, requests to re- be removed as a member of the forum, and everybody's gonna. And will unsubscribe. we send them hate mail because of that? No. No, probably we not. Won't. No. But you know what? We encourage people if the thing is is we are generally speaking about lost. And it's, we're just a husband and wife. We and get this together. This was never supposed to be a weekly kind of thing. But we are a weekly thing. But we, and we are and we enjoy it and we like it and we keep coming back. I mean, we've been getting hate mail since the beginning. Yeah, we did because it's Cliff's annoying and obnoxious. And exactly, but now they started attacking me, and now you guys are and in trouble. And this is like the second time in two months that I've been attacked because he's offended somebody, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> hey, you did your own offending last week. I know, but anyway. <laughs> no, totally. We're just kidding. I, well, okay. So this Stephanie's- is all in. I am. I am. This is all in love. I do love this podcast. I'm not going to leave. No, but but, but she I didn't think, need to unleash. Think, but, she had to release this this energy within her. Yeah, my kids were just tired of listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, the the thing is, is we but, are a husband and wife. We have lives outside of Lost, and and that may be hard for some people to believe. And sometimes we bring that to our viewing experience, and and sometimes that just helps us to see. But things. now I have to I have to say something because you have I've read some of the comments you've been leaving. Uh huh. About me. Okay, so uh-huh. I have a bone to pick with you, too, because Uh-oh. you're like, Stephanie was stressed out, and she had a long day, and she was tired, and she was rushing around to get the kids in bath and in bed and blah, blah, blah. I did the same thing tonight. Yeah. I had the exact same routine tonight that I had last week. You did. And you but loved it. But I have it. good things to say about the episode because it was a good show. Very good. I agree with you. 
See? So anyway, generally speaking, about Lost, that's how we feel. And we'll be back uh, coming up here. We have uh, a great show ahead of us. If you're, is, hold on, hold on. Let me see. I I think we still have three people out there. Wait, one, two. No, we have four listeners left. For the four of you who are still listening, we do have a great show planned for tonight because this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and listen to Rem's Lost in the News. We have a all-new commercial from the Hanso Foundation. And Eric, I know, is already feverishly at work going to whatever that website that was talked about on the commercial. Uh, we have... <laughs> you don't even know what it was. Well, we don't have TiVo anymore, so who has any idea? <laughs> Stephanie and I are going to download this episode off the internet so that we can watch oh, it frame oh. by frame. And heaven forbid the phone rang during our viewing. Oh, it did. That was, <laughs> was horrible. Like, Who's calling us? <laughs> don't they know it's lost night? Uh, but anyway, we're going to download the episode. We're going to analyze it again. We're going to look at some stuff. And Stephanie and I are going to take some time to put together some thoughts about some details within the episode. We'll come back and revisit a couple things. And uh, Molly H., uh, as long as things are going okay at school and finals went well and, and she's well rested, she might bring in a trivia update uh, for us to see who won in this week's trivia contest. We're going to have a great show. And then Rem's going to bring some spoilers, talk a little bit about what's coming up next on Lost. I'm telling you, the the thing at the end of the show, the next week on Lost, uh-huh. that that's the kind of cliffhanger that makes you want to watch next week. Yes. It, it, it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. And, and there's only like three episodes left. I know. Isn't that horrible? But then. Yes. But our then, summer review. Our summer review of season one and two. But we're already at like With 19 minutes. Our four listeners. With our four minutes, yeah, for our four <laughs> listeners that'll listen to us still during the summer. But anyway, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to be back here just real shortly. Uh, but uh, right now, let's just go ahead and go straight into Lost in the News. Greetings and salutations. It's Rem checking in with Lost in the News. And as Larry the Cable Guy would say, let's get her done. Plenty going on this week. And to kick things off, uh, first, I wanted to tell you about a... Uh, oh, wait a Hold on. Hey, we interrupt this program with a special announcement. This news in from Hebron, Kentucky. It was reported this week that the Generally Speaking Podcasting Network has surpassed 100,000 podcast downloads. This reporter is simply astonished. The brainchild of Clifford Joseph Ravenscraft II, the lost edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast, was unleashed on an unsuspecting internet on December 16, 2005, less than a year ago. This is Generally Speaking, a podcast production of Cliff Ravenscraft and Friends. Always anxious to improve and innovate, Clifford experimented with new ideas, and a new sound began to emerge. Hello and welcome to Generally Speaking. This is our January 29th edition of uh, our Lost Podcast. I'm Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And I'm their next-door neighbor, Rachel Griffin. All right. What'd you guys think about the episode? From those first tender steps into the bold world of internet podcasting, 
60 listeners in the first week became over a thousand in the first month. And as the podcast grew in listeners, it also grew in contributors. Hey, Cliff, Rachel, and Stephanie, this is Dean checking in with you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, we all got con. And what's going on with Saeed? And what's going on with Keith? Keith's being a little jealous, I think, of Anna Lucia. Thanks, Cliff. This is Dr. Bruder in Chicago. And some of the latest Lost headlines include this most recent article about the contracts of Lost cast of members. Hello, everyone. It's Kim again. I'm here with your winners and questions for trivia quiz number five. It's Rem here. And, uh, well, after being kidnapped by the others, I'm the newest button-pushing hatch monkey at Swan Station 6. Top 10. The Lost Top 10. Hello, this is Trevor. This is the weekly Lost Top 10. Let's get this moving. Hey, generally speaking listeners, this is Molly H. with your weekly trivia report from Trivia Central here in rainy San Antonio, Texas. Now it's time for the Losty Insider with your host, Trevor, from sunny Southern California. Hey, this is Aaron Fisher with the Crazy Theory of the Week. Then, sadly, the neighbor, Rachel Griffin, left the show to prepare for motherhood and advance a promising career in real estate. This reporter can confirm that Rachel is both loved and dearly missed. Now, a part of me felt really bad for him. I'm like, you dummy, what are you doing? You know, you totally know that he's a con artist. Mm-hmm. You totally know it. And she's like the kind of woman that thinks that she can change a man. Blind love. Yep. And she, I've, I felt bad for her in a way, in a way I didn't. But when he was like, I love you, it seemed so sincere. A critical component of the success of the Generally Speaking team is due to the hard work and diligence of the forum moderators, Casper, Moderator Matt, and Hoppy Siren, and of course, the forum members who number over 560 and have contributed over 6,800 postings. In less than six months, the Generally Speaking Lost podcast has become one of the best-produced podcasts on the Internet. And to those of you who have made PayPal contributions, take comfort in the fact that you have made all of this possible. And to you, Stephanie and Clifford, if I was wearing a hat, I would take it off to you. 100,000 downloads. Congratulations on your success. It is well deserved. This has been a Generally Speaking Special News Report. Thank you and good night. He never ceases to amaze me. Thank you so much, Rem, for that. I had we actually are completely flabbergasted. Yeah, I had no idea that he did that. I knew he was gonna and mention the hundred thousand downloads in the news segment. I didn't realize the news segment was gonna was, be, was gonna be that. So how awesome! And he is so right. Yeah. The 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 contributions of our listeners is what we are all about. Uh, many people. You know, understand that that it takes a lot to put this thing together, and yeah. and these audio segments that you heard called in and and put together, they really make up a full body of of a diverse perspective on Lost. And although it is on the edge of generally speaking, it's always good, and I love it. Thank you to each and every one of you, and thank you, Rem, Absolutely. for doing that. Now we are here doing a second look. 
or a deeper look into this week's episode called Question Mark. And to start things off, we have our forum member who uh, goes by the name of Good Things Coming, and she's put together a little bit of the uh, subtle hints or subtle points that are in the show. Hi, this is Good Things Coming from the Generally Speaking Lost Forum. I wanted to share with you three notable points from the episode Question Mark. First, let's talk about Eco's fake passport. Eco is living as a fake priest in Australia. An Australian man visits and gives him the forged passport he needs to travel to America. The passport has an issue date of April 16, 2004. It expires April 15, 2014. Eco's birth date is listed as August 23, 1968. The usage of some of these are the numbers. 4 is April and 2004. 8 is August 23rd, 15 is April 15th, 16 is April 16th, 23 is August 23rd. Next, we have the 108-minute print log. Now, when Locke and Eco enter the Pearl Station in question mark, they find a computer inside similar to their own hatch computer. The screen is prompting print log yes or no. Locke enters yes and presses execute. The, com- the computer starts to print out a log of sorts, which contain a sequence as follows. 416-02052-17. Accepted. 416-02054-05. Accepted. 416-02055-53. Accepted. 416-02056-41. Accepted. If you would like to know the rest of the sequence, please visit the Generally Speaking Lost Forum and go into the episode forum for question mark. Now, the sequence repeats over and over. The number before the colon increases by 2 with each entry, except on the entry with the colon 53, which increments only by 1. And the numbers after the colon, 1705, 53, 41, 29, stay the same. If you look at the two digits before the colon as hours and the two digits after the colon as minutes, each entry is exactly 108 minutes after the previous entry. For example, 52 colon 17 would be 52 hours and 17 minutes, or 3,137 minutes. Then 54 colon 05 would be 54 hours and 5 minutes, or 3,245 minutes. 3,245 minus 3,137 equals 108 minutes. The last note that I want to talk about would be the visit to the undertaker. In question mark, Ego visits an undertaker while investigating a local miracle. The undertaker plays a tape of the autopsy of a drowned girl who sprang back to life during the autopsy. There is an overhead shot of the tape player that includes some notes, presumably belonging to the undertaker. The notes contain what appears to be a production error in the top left corner, as the notebook is labeled as belonging to a medical center in Honolulu, Hawaii, where the production of Lost occurs. Also, the notes don't appear to be notes from the undertaker. The notes are in regards to an emaciated patient who appears weak and dizzy. The patient is quoted as saying, I'd get sick if I didn't eat more, and is noted to be monitored day and night and kept on IV fluids. Once again, this is Good Things Coming from the Generally Speaking Lost Forum, reporting to you some of the more subtle points from the episode question mark. We now return you to the Generally Speaking Studios. 
Wow, thank you so much uh, for that little report of all the uh, things that, or at least the top three things that you thought that were in the thing. We we did watch it a second time, and we did notice the passport had Hurley's numbers all through it. We did uh, um, hear a lot about the um, the the printout, the log, mm-hmm. if you will. And I would have never in a million years sat there and tried to add all that up. It just goes to show you how diehard some fans are. And, and I suppose that some of those fans might be the people who maybe left us some negative feedback. But anyway, <laughs> how, how dare us be so critical? Anyway, and then the final thing she just mentioned was the... Oh, the... Uh, the uh, autopsy report was op- supposed to be... The autopsy report. It was. It was actually. Or a file. It was a file that was sitting on the desk, Mm -hmm. and it turns out that it was. It was a prop error. Right. And and yet, just I I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of the little prop errors. But not that not that they're ho hum producers of the show or anything (laughs) like that. I. But it it is just. I mean, they know about high definition now. They know about the X ray or the MRI with the wrong. You know, thing in there with the wrong name of the hospital in there, and they know about all the well, other. Maybe things. the prop guy had a bad day, and he brought his bad stuff to work with him, and he just made a mistake. Well, that leads me to another thing uh, coming out of this. And episode, I'm sure he's fired now. He, you should be. Anyway, should just like not. Anna Lucia. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. I I have that's purely my speculation, and you can send your negative feedback to somebody else, and. <laughs> Did I just say that? You did. I did. Anyway, here's one of the things, viewing this again, and I've seen this talked about in our forum, is this whole idea of why is Hurley waiting until the next day to go look for Libby? I mean, hello? Just because they just show him at that point looking for her doesn't mean he hasn't been looking for her the whole time. That's true. However... And he had his things to do also. You know, he had a list of things to do, and she was going to go back and get the blankets. And just because they don't show him looking for her until that moment doesn't mean that he wasn't. Yeah, here's the deal, though. I mean, it's it's daytime. I mean, it's daylight. It could be early morning. It No, it's daylight when Hurley says or, or, i mean there there it's afternoon and and she goes i'll go get i'll take care of the blanket she goes and takes care of the blankets gets it could shot be really really late afternoon okay still late afternoon and it's a ways to the hatch okay no cuz remember she says see there's jen he's fishing they they it was a ways to get to where they were but that was because they were rocking around in circles no then to the hatch from where the from the beach okay but it's not like hours walk so it is when you get shot (laughs) anyway um then you have anna lucia and libby get shot and it's nighttime because we know that because john and echo leave out looking for the question mark location during the middle of the night and we know that because it was they they were going to go to sleep and wait for more further instructions and they wake up and it's the next day, and then Jack and Kate go to Sawyer's tent, or, I'm sorry, Kate and Sawyer go to get right. the heroin, and all of a sudden, here comes Hurley. Now, the thing is, is I, I agree that he could have been looking and going and questioning everybody, but by this point, my thinking is that, okay, she went to go get blankets. Where are the blankets? 
the first place you go is the hatch. Right. I think it was yet another continuity error in the show. Could be, but I've heard that they're in a rush to tie things up. Well, well that's, they don't really tie things up for... Well, they are tying some things they up. They are tying some things up. So, I mean, they're in a rush. They're, they're in a time crunch. They can't have 30 episodes in a season. But they're being sloppy with the whole daytime, nighttime thing. I mean, like, a, a whole... I, I mean, we, we're used to... You know, Are they, or is it something to read more into? I'm, very good. I, I like that. See, now that's the thinking that I'm I'm know, willing to say, okay, it, are these really errors? Are they really errors, or is the island on two different time zones? Carlos, uh, our good friend Carlos, he calls in all the time. Nice young man. And he called in because he, well, I feel bad, first of all, that he got cut off last week. So I put him up closer to the top of the list. We're not even going to wait until feedback for him. So he's got some interesting things that he found in the episode. And I want to go ahead and play that for us. Hi, Generally Speaking Lost Podcast. This is Carlos again from Albuquerque. I'm calling about my thoughts and theories about the episode question mark. Uh, I have some thoughts about when Lock and Echo find the hatch. They When they go into the room with the two couches and all the TV screens, up on top there's an octagon symbol and there's a bunch of staffs going into it, a bunch of... Um, wooden poles, and that was the same symbol as when Michael goes to pick up Walt at Brian's house for the first time. Same exact symbol. You know, that was interesting. I also noticed, uh, I was talking with my brother about all my ideas, and that the Pearl Station, it's the same as Bernard, when he's fishing by Jan, he says, I'm looking for a Pearl for Rose, and of course, people with their weird Bernard theories about he's one of the others, you know, maybe he could be entwined because for the guest star list, for um, Live Together Die Alone, the finale. He is one of the guest stars, but Rose isn't. And since they're basically glued together, you know, Siamese twins, I don't know. He, he might be a part of this whole experiment. Also, Char- a man playing Charles Widmore is guest starring. So I think that is going to be like a very riveting episode. I haven't even seen the preview yet, but um, Desmond's guest starring, so pretty excited for his return. And um, that's basically it. Uh, thanks for playing my calls all this time, Cliff. Sorry about the little battery right now. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Carlos. And uh, thank you for those insights. And, in fact, I have in our show notes, I'm going to post uh, two screen captures. One is from the episode called Special, when Michael goes to pick up Walt. And it's he's holding the box of the letter of the undelivered letters right. to Walt, and it's kind of from the floor's perspective, and it looks up at Michael, and above him is the ceiling that has this octagon shape with with what he's talking about, which is exactly the same style of architecture, exactly uh, design. And he, it's in the pearl hatch at the top, and and so there's a perfect screen capture of that. And I've put both of those uh, side by side up on the show notes for if you want to check that out. And uh, the pearl, yes, we actually had one of our callers, and I can't recall who it is right now, but one of our callers back in the Rose Bernard episode also mentioned, you know, perhaps he wasn't actually fishing for a pearl; he was looking for the pearl hatch. Hi, my name is Faith. I'm from Orange, California, and I'm just calling to say how appalled I am at Libby's death. It's not that I have a problem 
Libby or that I love Libby. I'm just mad because my whole theory was that Libby couldn't have died in last week's episode because she hadn't had a flashback yet. And now Libby's dead and there's no flashback. It's like the Lost Riders cheated us out of a flashback. We got to kind of see her in Hurley's flashback, and we got to kind of see her in Echo's flashback, but where's her flashback? Why are they killing characters without giving us a background? Cliff, I might have moved to your side and believed that Libby could possibly be another, but I'm not sticking to that. Thanks, you guys. Love the podcast. Bye. Thank you. And um, it's speculated that she's going to be in the season finale in Desmond's flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Correct? Absolutely. In fact, so, I can see yeah. where Faith might be extremely upset if she's living spoiler-free. Right. I agree that we do feel... I think that the character of Libby is definitely enough to warrant a complete and full flashback because of her them throwing her into the uh, Santa Rosa institution i think that's enough to warrant a full flashback of her right and perhaps we may still get one and Mm -hmm. and somehow in some way in some fashion so uh let's just not completely write it off but i but without giving any of the details of what libby's role will be in the flashback in the season finale i will tell you that she plays a critical role that's all i'll say Okay. So, you can tell me that later then? Uh, yeah. In fact, I think we, we do have a lost spoilers report. I haven't, oh, okay. I haven't listened to it yet, but Rem has mentioned it several times on previous lost spoilers, and it may be in this, and if not, I'll share it with you after the show. Okay. So anyway, thank you so much, Faith, for your call and Carlos, and, and basically I wanted to share a couple of my own notes after viewing it and being able to research some of the things that are on the forum. Uh, The first thing I came up with here is the orientation film Station 5, The Pearl. Although the orientation... These are just my notes that I've written down here. Although the orientation film is on a video cassette, I do want to suggest that I believe it's probably an older video than the one found in the Swan Station, which is kind of hard to imagine seeing as how they use a film projector, which is much older technology, to, to have the orientation film in the Swan Station. And some people will tell you that that's because uh, the magnetic field associated with Station 3, the Swan, would cause the the video to be erased as a result of, of having that there. However, there is some good debate going on this because in the Swan Station, there is a lot of a computer equipment and there is a lot of old computer equipment. And one of the ways that they're recording data, data are is on the real to real tape you know what i'm talking about you see it kind of going right. back and I know forth what you're talking about. so so it seems to me that if you know that is going to be a magnetic type of recording device in swan station why couldn't they have a vcr tape it it seems that this is dr marvin Kendall. Uh, either that, it, he he does go by the name uh, Dr. Mark Whitman in this orientation film, which is kind of awkward. The question is, is this perhaps Dr. Marvin Kendall's twin brother that goes by a different last name, which doesn't make sense, but it's very possible. However, if it's Dr. Marvin Kendall, then I would say that this would definitely be an earlier film because he has the use of his left arm, which in the orientation film, after recording that portion he does not and he speaks of the incident 
that took place. And I'm thinking perhaps the the Station 5 orientation film was filmed for that before there was a problem. And then there was the incident, and then they re-recorded an orientation film for the other. But the copyright doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, there's still websites out there today that put content on the web in 2006, and it says this website is copyright... You know, this is copyright Coca-Cola 2002 or something of that nature. So just because they stamp the the year that they received their copyright right. agreement or whatever. Of course, I don't know very much about film, but, you know, who knows what the Dharma Initiative is doing. So it could be subtle hints or subtle clues, but, you know, we just don't know. One of the things that is in the orientation film, my favorite quote, however, is... As Karen de Groot herself has written, careful observation is the only key to true and complete awareness. And I think that was kind of a thrown-in kind of line just for us. It, it, just they're saying, for the viewers to kind of pay more attention, and you might catch on to what's actually happening here. Yeah. As far as monitoring, uh, the Pearl Station had live video footage of the Swan Station, as we saw that John and Echo saw uh, Jack coming through as they had the, the thing on. So my question is, are those being video recorded anywhere? Was Michael shooting Libby and Anna Lucia caught on video? Oh, I think so. And so I, I think that's going to be something interesting that, that may come up again. Uh, salting the earth, the question mark symbol. I, you know, I, I looked at that a second time. I paused it, and I don't think that that is a question mark single, symbol. I believe that if you look at it, that where they salted the earth is a perfect circle, which would be the representation of what's in the middle of the Dharma signal for the pearl station, which is a pearl. And it's a circle. And when you look at it, it's only because the plane is sitting there and the, the, the wreckage of it that it actually looks like a question mark. And so my question is one of two things. Is it that the person who drew that in the hatch drew it after Boone had crashed the plane down on the ground where it is, and that's why he wrote question mark, or is that not actually the center of the map? Are they in the wrong place and they found yet a different hatch that's on that map somewhere? Uh, somebody had been talking about on the forums, they said that perhaps, and I think it was Bubba Coop from our forum, who had said that perhaps these are these where the salted um, symbols are in the earth, perhaps those are all clearings for food drops. Richard Malkin was something that really intrigued me whenever I, I heard the spoiler that we were going to meet Mrs. Malkin. And Richard Malkin's daughter. Right. Oh, I was like, oh, this is so cool because Richard Malkin is the psychic that told Claire. We were watching the episode Wednesday night and she comes in and you're like, Richard Malkin. And I'm like, what? I had no idea what you were talking about. I was not able to put two and two together. Well, that's because I'm and... so in-depth into the my Thomas theory. You know? Yeah. And, and my Thomas theory has a lot to do with Richard Malkin. I didn't know... I didn't actually know the psychic's name, or I didn't know Richard Malkin's name until I really started formulating and putting together my my Thomas theory. Okay. So, anyway, is he really a fake? Was he telling Echo a lie that he's a fraud? Or, I, I like what you had said in when we were viewing the episode. You said perhaps he really is a fake, and that's why he seems so freaked out 
when Claire right when he did Claire's reading because it was perhaps his first time he ever tapped into a real psychic force. Yeah, I think, and I, I'd have to go back and watch it again for like a fifth time. I've watched that that raised by another so many times, but I just think he was generally freaked out. Just genuinely freaked out. I at believe he the was reading. I think he was genuinely freaked out. And the way out. that he stalked her. Mm-hmm. You got you know. He, Somebody's speculating that perhaps his daughter was dead, and Dharma came and helped bring her back to life. And as a result, he's in cahoots. What if she's still dead? What her, his daughter? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, here's the deal: is I believe that Richard Malkin was not really a fraud. I, I believe that he was just trying to do anything and everything to get rid of this inquiry and whether or not this was a miracle. He knows something more. He knows about the healing properties of the Probably. people who, and he's like, dude, just stay away from here. And so he, I, I think he just gave that story. But anyway, other people may think differently. And then, of course, the last thing I wanted to bring up is in the very first segment of the show, we had Echo's Dream, which, again, I still support that they could have given us that little five-minute clip, and that could have been a full episode, and and that definitely Uh, would not be titled Ho-Hum, because I loved that dream sequence. That was a very good dream sequence. And I wanted to go back, and I wanted to flash, or to do a screen-by-screen viewing of all the different flashes that went through real quick. Which we did. There's a flashback of when it shows all the everybody in the water in the other 48 days. It shows the little girl who was almost drowned that they saved her life. Right. It shows uh, the cross on the ground uh, where his necklace had dropped on the ground. And he picked it up and gave it to his brother. Uh, it showed the Virgin Mary statues that his brother was trying to coerce him into allowing to smuggle. Um, and then it showed somebody gagged. And I'm sitting there thinking, that looks like Cindy. And I apologize to... Uh, the actor that plays Jin, but I really thought that was Cindy. I'm like, I don't remember seeing Cindy, you know, blindfolded and tied up. And and Stephanie put, that's Jin, Cliff. I mean, come on. So, Seriously. What's up with that? How into this show are you? Yeah, obviously not deep enough for some people. <laughs> so uh, it was not Cindy gag. And of okay. course, uh, great good things coming. Uh, the computer printout, we've already got a full report on that we just played for you. However, thefuselage.com has a list of things we learned in this episode. And I'm just going to read off a couple of these things and and give a little commentary. First one, the Riddler seems to have taken over the clock and keyboard in the Swan Station. Uh, If the Riddler took over, it'd be green and white. But I get what they're saying. (laughs) Anna Lucia is not... Oh, Anna Lucia is a whole lot nicer when she is in a dream and dead. Amen to that. No, no, Anna Lucia is much nicer when she's dead. Because we trashed her until they took her off the show. Now they've taken her off, and we keep on trashing her. I just well, that's because okay. Maybe I'm just trying to be overly nice in lieu of last week. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving along because I'm not going to go there anymore. Let's see here. There is a pneumatic tube that goes somewhere. We don't know where yet, but uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder if you can make your deposit. If Hurley can maybe withdraw money from his there bank. There you go. That would be cool. I think Hurley's mama has probably spent all that money by now. <laughs> you think so? He gave it away, probably. Mark Marvin Candle has a different name in the Pearl film, now Mark Wickman. Uh, obviously, we've talked about that a little bit. There is a T. Oh, there's TV on the island. I wonder if they get Dish Satellite. Uh, I wonder if they watch Lost. I wonder if they have TiVo. Uh, and if they do, that'd be I'll cool. Watch it frame by frame. They'll pick some up. That's right. 
There are only two tailies left, Echo and Bernard. Wrong! I'd like to find out who put this together because that is the one thing that is absolutely wrong. Do you know who the others are? Um, no. The little girl that they saved from drowning and her brother. They but were, they're with the others. They were abducted. And, and Cindy. Cindy. There you go. So, uh, sorry to who put that together, but no. There are at least five uh, tailies well, still sure alive on the meant, island somewhere. I'm sure they I meant know. alive, living on the beach with the rest of the Yeah, well, I, I choose survivors. to disagree with them anyway. That's fine. All right. So, anyway, all of a sudden there is a needle. In season one, Jack had to use a sea urchin's mind. Do you want to comment on that one? I will, because in season one, when Boone died, they had not yet found the hatch. And they were hatchless. They were hatchless. And in season two, episode one, they opened the hatch and entered. And Desmond left. And and he had lots of needles. He had lots of needles. He was he a en- shooter upper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Locke can run through the jungle really well on crutches and a fractured leg. Well, the thing is, is I'm I my my own personal belief is I wonder if Jack or if Jack if John. Is just making up the need for the crutches thing. So he doesn't give away the fact that he can walk even though he feels nothing from the knees down. Hmm. So that's our second look or a closer look at the episode. And so we have just a couple other things to share with you. And the next thing that we have coming up here is a book review of The Bad Twin from our friend Eric. This is Eric Fisher with the review of Bad Twin. This week I listened to the audiobook of Bad Twin, written by Gary Troop. Now this thing reads a lot like a Grisham novel or a PG-13 movie. There is some, you know, sex and violence, but nothing too too far gone. So I'd say it's good. It's a good uh, pickup for your summer reading list to tide you over while Lost is gone. There is an added air of mystery to the fictional narrative, mainly because you're reading it for the story and then also for the bigger, larger story of Lost and how it fits into the TV show and all the connections and so on and so on. Anyway, a little about the author. Gary Troop was involved with Cindy Chandler, who is, yes, the Cindy, the stewardess from the tail section that was taken as the tailies made their way back to the main fuselager's camp. He even writes her into the book as a small character part, though nothing consequential. The story is basically about Paul Artisan, who's a private investigator. An identical twin comes to Paul, wanting him to find his brother. This twin is named Cliff, Cliff Widmore, and he wants Paul Artisan to find his brother Alexander, or Xander for short. These two are twin brothers and descendants of the Widmore family, who are the owners of the famous Widmore Building. Here's the catch. Hanso has offices in the Widmore building. And there's also many descriptions about uh, joint ventures with the Hanso Foundation and the Widmores, alleged environmental violations in remote corners of the world, offering grants to people for research, and many other aspects, scientific, real estate, architecture, construction, involvement with Pike Heavy Industry, which, by the way, yes, is Mr. Pike son's father, and reinforcing concrete, curiously enough. Now, one of the Hanso members, Middlework, is on the board of directors for Widmore. And by the way, it's it's pronounced Middlework. He is not depicted well, 
but neither is he necessarily slandered. Also, the elder Whitmore, the twin's father, calls Hanso, Elvar Hanso that is, a gentleman. Elvar Hanso is never treated badly in the book. So my question is this, why would the Hanso Foundation take out a PR notice telling people not to believe what's in this book? And how far did Sawyer read into it? Length and depth-wise, that is. Because, as far as we know, Sawyer's never encountered anything to do with the Hanso Foundation on the island. At least not yet. Could this be maybe a setup for future reference where, say, somebody knows more about stuff? Or Sawyer suddenly recognizes that Cindy... The stewardess, if they ever come across her again, was in the book. We'll just have to wait and see, but I have to give you this. It's, it's definitely a good read. I finished it in about two days, and it's interesting. So there is the Bad Twin Review. This is Eric Fisher. And I'm Cody, a.k.a. Dangerous and Moving 22 on the Generally Speaking Lost Forums. A short message from Hugh McIntyre, the Director of Communications at the Hansel Foundation, has recently been spotted in newspapers across the U.S. It is titled Don't Believe Bad Twin, and this is what it says. For over 30 years, the Hansel Foundation has stood for compassion and innovation. But today, our reputation has been attacked in the novel Bad Twin, written by Gary Troop and published by Hyperion Books. Throughout the pages of Bad Twin, readers have found numerous passages featuring misinformation about the Hansel Foundation and its partners. The Hansel Foundation strongly objects to this book, Bad Twin, and encourages readers to make up their own minds. The truth about the Hansel Foundation is available at www.thehanselfoundation.org and not on the pages of Gary Troop's Bad Twin. Experience it for yourself. Thank you and namaste. Boston was the first to notice this article. It has also appeared in the Chicago Tribune, the LA Times, and the Philadelphia Daily News. If you go to GaryTroop.net, you'll also see this note from the publisher in response to the Hanso Foundation's Bad Twin press release. Here's what it says. We've received many calls and emails asking about the recent advertising campaign done by the Hanso Foundation about our recent publication of Bad Twin. While we can't respond to you individually on this matter, please know that this issue is of great concern to us and we are investigating what actions we should or shouldn't take in relation to this complaint. Meanwhile, thank you for your attention and consideration. Strange, huh? There was also a person posing as Hugh McIntyre of the Hanso Press Release uh, fame, calling people that had uh, somebody had hacked into the Hanso Press Release phone number that they had called and left messages for him and so on. And, and somebody had been calling people, claiming to be Hugh McIntyre from the Hanso Press Release, and he tried to keep up the act, but it, I guess it didn't work. Administrators at the LostExperienceClues.com released a letter on Wednesday, May 10th. This is what it says. In the comments and our Gmail box, there have been much discussion about Valenzetti, Oceanic Airlines, Widmore, Pike Heavy, Liddy's Identity, Missing Words Like Zombia, the number 2630, etc., etc. They also say this is an awesome discussion and keep it up. We just wanted our visitors to know that we are aware of these things and we are thinking about them with you. 
We are trying to keep our posts as simple and direct as possible so that, as new people join the game each day, they can quickly catch up and begin their own theorizing and searching for clues. We're really working hard to keep this thing on the tracks that ABC is laying down for us to run on, recognizing that, one, many times ABC has been known to put stuff out there for the sake of intrigue and or confusion, and two, there are some inconsiderate people out there who are just making stuff up, such as creating fake websites, hacking phone numbers, starting rumors, and etc. Because they know that Lost fans are hungry for clues and will eat up anything that seems remotely like a clue. The only reason we are waiting to post some things is that we are very cautiously striving to maintain the integrity of our content so that you know what you read here will always be something you can trust. Keep up the discussions and keep sending us those fantastic emails. Namaste, the lostexperienceclues.com administrators. Something else interesting that we found is if you log in and go to the executive bios on the Hanso Foundation, click on the date underneath the picture of Alvar Hanso, which, by the way, am I the only one who thinks that the picture of Alvar Hanso looks strikingly like the guy that played the smoking man on the X-Files? Send me your opinion in the forum. Anyway, it says, notice the faraway grainy picture. It doesn't match anyone else. Then it takes you to a global map, which shows Alvar's last known public appearances over the last few years. And then Persephone chimes in with this. This is the last record I found of any public appearance of Alvar Hanzo. The man hasn't been seen in public since 2002. Is he hiding? Alvar Hanzo was never there. Who's running this place anyway? Then if you wait for a green dot, it sounds like Morse code. Once this was decoded, some of the possible ideas that have been decoded are safer or safe nine or safe G. I particularly go with uh, safer. Commercials in the Hansel Foundation phone messages indeed play an important role in the lost experience. Remember the Sprite commercial in it? Well, as it appears, a similar Sprite commercial appeared on TV on Tuesday, May 8th during the made-for-TV movie Bird Flu. It gives viewers the website http colon slash slash subliminal dot com that is s u b l y m o n a l. Also, there was a similar change to the Hansel Foundation site. The brief change in the clock from displaying the normal time to displaying capital O B colon E Y also yielded a link to the same site. Once at this mysterious site, a circle of monitors appear around the word obey. You have to click each monitor using the lost numbers 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42, in which unlocks a secret message after each monitor has been clicked. It gives us the code hair apparent and a link. The link leads us to the Hansel site to executive bios. At the site, if you go to Dr. Middlework's bio and enter the code, the screen melts and a door appears. A lady is standing in front of it. When you click her, she turns around and Caltech records appear with a shadow. Click the word above the red underline. Persephone will say, Caltech has no record of this guy in their alumni database. He's never made a tuition payment. Does he even have a college degree? Why does he call himself a doctor? Of what? Who is this clown? Under the red stuff, it used to say Gary Troop knows too much. Under the blue stuff, it also said he must be silenced. But it's not there anymore. This shows to prove that the lost fan community needs to work together to spot clues that'll disappear that others won't be able to see once it's gone.
Thank you very much there, uh, Eric and Cody, for all that information. And I know that's a lot of information. That is a lot of information. But the cool thing about a podcast is the ability to pause, rewind, and to go back and listen to it as you're looking at some of that stuff or looking for some of that stuff on the computer. So uh, a lot of hard work, and these guys have a lot of work to keep us up on the Lost Update or the Lost Experience updates, and uh, we're just thankful to have them. Now, we did get a call from Danielle, and this is what she had to say. Hello, Stephanie and Cliff. This is Danielle from Detroit, Michigan, and I was calling to see if anybody had noticed that the lady, when you go to the hustle.org um, page, an active projects under Worldwide Wellness and Prevention Development Program, there's a lady, and she's holding, like, a, a book or a planner or something. It says, Volunteer Teacher from Rwanda. And I was looking at a picture of Cindy on Wikipedia, and I put them side by side, and to me, they look a lot alike. So I was wondering if maybe anybody else caught that, but that's just my little observation right there. Um, thank you guys for the podcast. They helped get me through my homework on Sunday evenings. Uh, keep up the good work. Bye. Okay, Danielle, thank you very much for that call. And uh, I went and checked out what you were talking about. And I've just recently showed Stephanie a side-by-side screen capture of the website showing the volunteer teacher from Wanda and also Cindy Chandler from the Lost Wikipedia site, the exact picture you're talking about. And Stephanie, what do you think? Do they look like the same person to you? It very well could be. I think it is. And so I've put the side-by-side comparison for you guys out there on our Lost show notes. So check that out. Uh, Just go to generallyspeakingpodcast.com and click on Weekly Lost Edition, and you will see the side-by-side comparison. Anyway, next up we have uh, Molly's Trivia Update. Hey, Generally Speaking listeners, it's Molly H. from San Antonio, Texas, with your weekly trivia update. I'm going to do our trivia report a little differently this week. This week, one of our listeners stated that he would like to be able to play along while listening to the update, because he is unable to participate on the forum. Matt and I decided to do a theme quiz this past week because of the amazing events in Two for the Road. First, I'm going to read the questions and then the answers. The questions are as follows. 1. What was the name of Anna Lucia's partner on the LAPD? 2. When Michael and Jen and Sawyer meet the Tailies, how many people did Libby tell them survived the crash on the Tailey side of the island? 3. What was Libby's big lie to Hurley and what episode did it occur? 4. What was Michael's father's name? 5. Where did Michael say he was going before he was hit by the car? Number 6. What was the name of the man who shot Anna Lucia, forcing her to miscarry her baby? Number 7. What was Anna Lucia's seat number and row in Oceanic Flight 815? Number 8. How many times has Anna Lucia stolen from Sawyer and what did she steal? Number 9. How long was Libby in med school before she dropped out? Number 10. What singer was playing on the radio in the car that Anna and Christian were driving in? The answers are, number one, Big Mike, or Mike, was Anna Lucia's partner at the LAPD. Number two, Libby told Michael and Jen and Sawyer that 23 people survived the crash on the Taylor side. Number three, Libby lied by stating that Hurley stepped on her foot while finding his seat at the episode Fire and Water. 
This could not have been true because Libby sat in the back of the plane while Hurley sat in the midsection. Number four, Michael's father's name was Walter Dawson. Number five, Michael was on his way to Amsterdam to take Walt away from his mother when he was hit by a car. Number six, there are two possible answers to this question. In Collision, the character's name that shot Anna Lucia's name was Jason McCormick, but in Two for the Road, his name was Jason Elder. Number seven, Anna Lucia's seat number was 42F. Number eight, Anna Lucia stole guns from Sawyer twice, once in the pit on the other side of the island and once during Two for the Road. Number nine, Libby was in med school for one year before she dropped out. Number 10, the singer of the song playing in the car was Patsy Klein. The winner of last week's contest were Marley2A2 and Dan23X. Great job and congratulations. Keep up the great work. Matt and I would like to say thank you to all those participating in the trivia contest survey, which is still open on the Generally Speaking Forum at ravenscraft.org slash lostforum. I would also really appreciate knowing your thoughts on the new form of our update. Please leave your feedback in the new Ask Molly a Question section or in the general feedback and suggestions about the podcast section of the forum. Thanks so much. Signing off from Trivia Central in San Antonio, Texas, this is Molly H. Until next week, have a clickety click click day. Thank you very much, Molly, for that trivia update. And we have uh, uh, some listener feedback, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and go straight into our spoiler section. I'm going to allow the all the feedback, all the listener feedback from prior episodes and speculation about the ending of the series after the exit theme for those of you who are interested in sticking around. And there is some really good stuff um, out there. In fact, I'm going to play a clip from the Associated Press who called to ask us for an interview. Uh, Max in Atlanta has some Libby ideas. Craig from New Zealand emailed us some predictions about his thoughts on the end of the show. Queso Grandi uh, said that, and I will quote here, Queso Grandi. Grande. Yeah, Grandi. Grande. Uh, He said that last episode, totally retarded and pointless. So at least we just said ho hum. But anyway, uh, here is Ram with our spoilers. This isn't what was supposed to happen. What's gonna happen? You don't wanna know what was supposed to happen. I know. Because you don't know what's gonna happen. You know what? We're not gonna find out. Don't you wanna know? Greetings and salutations. It's Rem checking in with another edition of Lost Spoilers. T-minus two episodes to go till the end of season two. Now, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof have promised that by the end of this season, we are going to know the answers to three big questions. Where's Walt? What happened to Michael? What happens if you don't put the numbers into the computer? And what brought down Flight 815 in the first place? Well, coming up on May 17th, it's the Michael-centric episode called Three Minutes. Guest starring Malcolm David Kelly as Walt, MC Ganey is Mr. Friendly. Tanya Raymond is going to be playing Alex, who is presumably Daniel Russo's daughter. And in the upcoming episode, Michael convinces Jack and several castaways to help him rescue Walt from the others. Meanwhile, Charlie struggles with Echo's decision to discontinue building the church. We will learn what happened to Michael while he was away. And from the tailsection.com, Scooper says that the three minutes referred to in the title 
is the amount of time that Michael was allowed to see Walt after running into the others. Apparently, the scene is emotionally intense, and it's designed to dramatically challenge your sense of right and wrong when it comes to the love of a father who has lost their child. Apparently, it's undoubtedly Harold's best acting to date. And word is we'll get a great scene between Jack and Sawyer, even better than that poker scene where Jack laid the smackdown. And then on May 24th, the 23rd episode... The season finale, two hours, called Live Together, Die Alone. This is going to close out season two. Now, earlier this week, Damon Lindelof said, quote, The finale is a battle between faith and reason on the same playing field where it all began. And apparently some people suggest that it all began on the plane. That according to Kristen on E! Online. Now, it looks like everyone's in the finale. Malcolm David Kelly is Walt. Henry Ian Cusick is Desmond. MC Ganey is Mr. Friendly, Michael Emerson as Henry Gale, Tanya Raymond as Alex, and Alan Dale as Charles Widmore. Now, speaking of Widmore, on this week's edition of the official Lost podcast, we're told that there will be more of Widmore. Are we supposed to watch out for Widmore? Is there going to be more Widmore? Is Widmore therefore connected to Dharma as well? And that further connects Oceanic Airlines to Dharma. So what? how does, how does all that work, Damon? I'm going to just say... More Widmore. There will be more Widmore. More Widmore. You might want to check out the book Bad Twin, too. Yeah, I, I can't really be sure about this, but the name Widmore might be popping up in the finale. It, it might indeed. It's possible. Right. Also, we finally get to meet Kelvin. Don't remember him? Well, here's Desmond with a refresher. It was three years ago. I was at a solar race around the world. My boat crashed into the reef, and then Kelvin came running out of the jungle. Hurry, hurry, come with me. He brings me down here. First thing he does, because it's beeping already, he types in the code, he pushes the button, and it stops. What was all that about, I say? Just saving the world, he says. So I started pushing the button too. And we saved the world together for a while, and that was lovely. Then Kelvin died, and now here I am all alone. The end. Other things to expect? After discovering something just offshore, Jack and Saeed come up with a plan to confront the others and hopefully get Walt back. Meanwhile, Echo and Locke are going to come to blows after Locke makes a potentially cataclysmic decision regarding the button and the hatch. Now, what do you say that Locke actually destroys the computer with Echo's Jesus axe? That's my prediction. And uh, speaking of predictions, I didn't get a chance to report on this last week, but... uh, Well, it appears I was right again. I made a prediction on the April 7th Generally Speaking podcast for the episode Dave. Now, if you didn't catch it, it sounded something like this. And one other thing that Damon Lindelof said, two survivors of the um, opposite sex are going to, uh, well, they're going to get busy. My money, for the record, is on Anna Lucia with Sawyer. And you know what that means. I get to celebrate again. I do love being right. Yep, and that's a wrap on Lost Spoilers. My name is Rem, and we'll catch you later. Thank you again very much, uh, Rem, for bringing us that Lost Spoiler. And he didn't mention it, Stephanie, so just so you know now that we're in the spoiler section, the uh, whole Libby thing that's coming up in the season finale is we're going to find out that Libby gave Desmond her boat or helped him purchase a boat or something. So there is something major uh, role that, that Libby does play there. 
Well, anyway, we're going to go ahead and close out the show now. And until next time, let's, let's get, get lost. You have been listening to the weekly Lost edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. You can make our show even better with your feedback. Call our listener comment line at area code 413-521-0958 to leave your comments and questions. And please start with your name and where you're calling from. If you would like to contribute to our weekly podcast, simply click on the PayPal donate button on our website at www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com. Join us next week for another edition of Generally Speaking. Thanks for listening. Hi, um, my name is Bree Fowler, and uh, I'm a reporter with the Associated Press in New York City. And I'm working on a story about podcasting and Lost for our Young Readers Desk. I was hoping to talk to you guys. I listen to your show every week. Uh, I've also talked to Jay and Jack already, but I, I really like your podcast, so I'd like to talk to you guys too. Um, if one of you could give me a call back, I'd really appreciate it. Hope to talk to you soon. Hey, Cliff and Stephanie. I just want to let you guys know that I watched tonight's episode. And, oh, by the way, this is Max from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sorry. Um, I was watching tonight's episode, uh, and I have a theory that about the last episode of the season. I think that right now everyone thinks Libby's dead. I think, however, that she is not dead. I think that in the last episode she's going to be lying down in, a, in like some kind of secluded area, probably in the hatch in the armory, and... She's going to be lying down, and her eyes are going to open, and lost. Uh, I think this is going to happen because tonight we learned that uh, in the show, obviously, people can be brought back or been, be halfway there, like like the, the sidekick's daughter was. And um, I really believe that she's not dead. It makes no sense for her to be dead yet. Um, she, we don't know anything about her backstory, and poor Hurley. So, great podcast. Just want to let you guys know that you're doing a good job, and I uh, hope you play this on the show. See you guys later. Hi, Cliff, Stephanie. It's Craig here from New Zealand. I've got some speculation about what I think the final episode cliffhanger might be. Back in February, somebody on the official Lost podcast asked the question, what made the plane crash? And Damon and Carlton, the producers of the show, answered by saying, by the end of season two, you will know. And that is a question we are going to answer in rather definitive fashion. Now, I've always been intrigued with the plane crash at the beginning of season one because somebody obviously caused it and they planned for particular people on that plane to survive the crash. And I don't know how they did that. How could they be sure that someone like Claire for example, would survive. And it was just such a risky thing to do, to have who they wanted on the island get there by crashing her in an aeroplane. Anyway, I think that we're going to find out how, but the way that we're going to find out is they are going to show us how. And I read somewhere that the last episode of this season is a Desmond episode, so I'm guessing that we're going to see a flashback to the day of the crash 
and his involvement with it. These writers, they don't like to tell us what happened, they like to show us, so that's why I think we'll have it in a flashback rather than hearing Henry Gale tell us or hearing Desmond tell us what happened. We'll actually see it. But my twist is that I think these producers are going to finish that episode with another plane crash on the island, this time not carefully planned, but maybe a complete accident caused by somebody failing to put the numbers in or or some other means and that in turn is going to release some kind of force that causes plane crashes but this time because it wasn't planned I think that the plane crash is going to have no survivors or maybe very few survivors and that our heroes are going to have to deal with the aftermath of another plane crash throughout season three anyway love your podcast and thanks for your time Hello, this is Queso Grande from Sacramento, California, uh, calling in with some feedback on uh, what you termed to be a ho-hum episode. Uh, I think it was an okay episode. The end, obviously, was really good. Uh, I think the whole thing with uh, Anna Lucia and Sire was totally retarded and pointless. Uh, so she had to get a gun, great, whatever. And then I think uh, I have a prediction about Christian... Uh, and the woman who, you know, he supposedly has uh, another daughter with, I predict that the, that daughter will turn out to be Claire. And one last thought. Okay, the look on Libby's face when she got shot, okay, that was just hilarious. You can't learn that in acting school because they would never let you in acting school if you made a face like that. Anyway, this is Queso Grande, and uh, there's my prediction. Hi, you two. This is Scott from Richmond, Virginia. I just want to let you know, first of all, you're not just my favorite podcast, but the first podcast I ever listened to. Um, as far as um, in the um, episode two for the road, um, actually when Sawyer was saying, uh, and you, Brutus, the, the the actual words were from the play Julius, uh, C- Julius Caesar from Shakespeare, and it was A2 Brute. just wanted to... Uh, give you that and, and also um i'm see, i'm seeing too much of uh of jack's dad and all these flashbacks and i really really think he's not dead and I'm, I'm hoping to see him in the or hear him in the season finale that's all for now great podcast keep it up bye hi cliff and stephanie this is sam in tucson from the message board I uh, was just listening to the podcast and wanted to bring up two things. Um, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that Sawyer said the phrases get and scram, but being a Southern boy myself, I was born and raised in New Orleans, and that's a fairly common phrase for someone raised in the South. Um, when you're telling your children to get outside and play, you usually scream get, or at least that's what was screamed at me when I was a child. Um, and then um, the scram was more or less like kind of like he was shooing a dog away. So I kind of I kind of took it as his southern southernness um, vocabulary, and he was just kind of treating her dirty, trying to kind of treat her like a dog. Get scram sounded like a chewing a dog to me. Um, the second thing was you had mentioned uh, the creep show, and Stephanie was correct in saying that that was Ted Danson who was uh, buried at the beach. But if you remember um, carefully, that on the um, same tape, on the same tape, the um, there is a uh, Stephen King. It's the one where he um, experienced the, the meteor um, landing in his front yard and all the green phone, um, uh, slime or fuzz or whatever it was, moss or bacteria or something, but that was Stephen King. So I just thought it was kind of interesting when you um, pointed out it reminded you of a creep show, 
And the one that you had pointed out was the one with Ted Danson, and that same tape had Stephen King in it. Well, I'm going to go. I uh, just wanted to let you guys know that we are listening and um, having a great time listening to you guys and playing on the message board. All right, take it easy. Bye. Hi, Stephanie and Cliff. This is Michelle from Texas. Wanted to call in about last night's episode, the question mark. I enjoyed it. I, of course, I was one that really enjoyed quick episode, Two for the Road, which I know some people liked more than others, but that's fine. They have their, their own opinion. I liked this episode. I thought it was a little bit slower, but next time we got some good information as far as, you know, in the, the new hatch, the pearl hatch. We also got some good information from Echo's flashback with the psychic. I personally like Echo as a character better than Anna Lucia, which is probably why some people may not have cared for last week's episode, is just my guess. So thought it was a good episode. Questions, though, about what is going to be happening next week. I think we saw a lot more about the uh, you know, next week's episodes in the preview as far as confrontation with the others, which group of others is it. So I thought it was a good episode, and I'm looking forward to next week and hearing y'all's podcast. Thanks. Bye-bye.